This is the Horse Radio Network. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 514 of the Stable Scoop Show, the Horse Radio Network's equestrian roundtable show. Our sponsors this episode are Arena Saddles and you, our listeners. I'm Glenn Geek, founder of the Horse Radio Network and host of the Horses in the Morning Show, the longest-running daily horse podcast in the world. Welcome to the Equestrian Roundtable, and every roundtable, I invite two industry leaders or fellow hosts or uh, important people from the horse world, and I also invite a very important listener, in this case, one of our tremendous auditors, and they're here to tackle hot topics of the day. This show gets a little more serious than our other shows, especially Horses in the Morning, uh, but that's what it's meant for. It's meant to be a discussion show. I'll be your host and moderator, and I'm sure that I will have a few opinions occasionally, but most of the panelists, they're just going to lead the way tonight. If you're watching live, welcome. It's always fun to watch live. You can comment, so the comments are right below here. And we want to see you comment right now and say where you're from. And the panelists can also see the comments, so they can see where you're from. Right above me, there should be a little message that says, if you click on this, the panelists will then be able to see your names. So you can click on that, too. So Jennifer's joining us uh, from Michigan, I believe. And a bunch of other people are popping in here, too. So welcome to the show. Please comment on what we're talking about tonight. That's why it's an advantage to to join us live over listening on the Stable Scoop podcast, which this audio will be put out on tomorrow. So if you miss any part of this, if you can't catch the whole thing, you can catch the rest of it on the Stable Scoop podcast. We have Brooklyn, New York in the house with Electra is joining us. This show is every other Wednesday at 7.30 Eastern Time, and t- tonight, joining us for this roundtable, I would love to introduce our panelists, and we have host of the Fox Hunting episode on Horses in the Morning, our very own Tara Tibbetts. Hi, Tara. Hello. Oscar's here temporarily. You? Who's that? This is Oscar. He's my Russell, Russell Terrier mix. And Tara, tell everybody how, how much of a crazy dog person you are. I have 10. Ten dogs. Okay, imagine that, people. Ten dogs yes. in the house. How, mu- how much dog food do you feed, feed in a week? I have no idea. <laughs> Nor does she want to know. Nope. <laughs> Doesn't want to know that at all. All right, coming up next, uh, and Tara, of course, as I said, is host of the Fox Hunting episode we do on Horses in the Morning once a month. Been doing that a couple years, right? Yeah, I think we're, yeah. we're in into the third year. We talked about it, as a matter of fact, at the World Equestrian Games in, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what, two Tryon. years ago? Yeah, tw- yep. 2018. Yep. So I remember sitting at a bar talking about that. That's where all good ideas I went from. fox hunting while I was that's in right. Tryon. <laughs> that's right. And next up, we have another host here on the Horse Radio Network, and she does a show called Rain in Your Herd, and her name is April Harmon. Hi, April. Hi, Glenn. We have to congratulate April, Tara, because <laughs> she announced today that she's pregnant for, with her second baby, a little boy, yeah. right? Yes, yep. We're expecting a little boy at the end of June. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And you're both in Texas. Yep. Yes. So, April, mm-hmm. where part of Texas are you in? Um, we're at Fort Hood, so like an hour north of Austin. Got it. And nice area. Do you like it? Yeah, I like it a Germany. lot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I like it a lot. I like the weather for sure. <laughs> right now, anyways, in the wintertime. And you don't have to know any German living there, do you? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tara, I forgot where are you in? now. Where are you at? I am northwest of Fort Worth. Oh, okay. Cool. So you get to go to a lot of cool horsey stuff right down the street from you. I moved here just because of it. Oh, cool. 
Very good. And then we have one of our tremendous auditors. Our auditors are like our super fans. They pay as little as $3 a month to join the group and have uh, be part of the party that goes on in the audit, private auditor room. There's about 500 of them in there. And she's representing all listeners tonight. No pressure. But we have Lindsay with us. Hi, Lindsay. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Now, Lindsay also has the designation here. Uh, she's done a lot of different things with horses, and one of those topics were, is going to come up tonight, but she is a mounted archer as well. And you actually started that from hearing it on our show, Horses in the Morning, and then went out and did it, right? I did. I heard an interview, it would have been at least four years ago now, um, with someone on Horses in the Morning, and I thought, that sounds really awesome. So I found the nearest clinic to me and loved it so much, I decided I was just going to have to start my own club because I wasn't going to drive that far to the nearest club. And um, yeah, so that's what I did um, and started the Mounted Archers of the Potomac in 2017. Terrific. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that kind of topic a little bit later on in the show. But Lindsay, before we get started, I'm so glad you're here because I can promote something that was just announced a couple hours ago. And and you can expect barking because all of us have dogs. So <laughs> there will be barking throughout the day. Uh, but there's something very exciting is we're going to be doing our third horse lovers cruise. And who doesn't need a cruise right now? This is going to be February, one year from now, uh, in 2022. This time we're upgrading. Uh, last time Lindsay was on the cruise and we were on a smaller ship. And what the way it works is smaller ships get shorter itineraries. So four or five night cruises. And we've never done a long itinerary before because a lot of horse people can't get away. But all of us were itching for a big ship. Well, this is the second largest cruise ship in the world. So that's what we're doing next year. It's on February 13th. It's Harmony of the Seas. And we will be traveling to Antigua and a couple other ports. It's a seven night cruise uh you can go to horseradionetwork.com slash cruise and you'll find out all the details there i'll put that in the comments as well uh so you'll find all the details there we would love for you to join us we had about 50 last year right Lindsay? that sounds right yeah how did you have a good time oh my gosh we had the best time we still talk about it all the time and our uh all the pictures have been coming up on my Facebook memories for the last few days because it was just about a year ago now. And so glad we got that in before COVID. It was a fabulous trip. We had just started hearing inklings of COVID at the time we got on the boat. And we were all like, I don't know what this is. Who cares? Let's go. <laughs> so we really didn't know at that point. The timing uh, worked out really well. So would you go again? Absolutely. We're planning on go. signing up. You know, I kind of wasn't planning on doing one next year just because of everything that's going on, but we all should have vaccines by then, hopefully. Um, and things will be a, maybe back a little bit more toward normal. And But so many of the past cruisers from the last two cruises were asking when we were going to do it again. So it was like, okay, I'll book it. But we're going on a big ship this time. This thing has 24 pools and 24 restaurants. So that's what um, I was gonna, do you go to a different restaurant for every meal? You could. <laughs> literally cool. you could there's also three sea days on this which is a little different than our other cruises because with a ship this big there's so much to do you want sea days you don't want to be in port every day because there's so much to do on these ships there's water slides and just all kinds of stuff so i'm very excited about it, but i wanted to give a promo for that so uh there you go and uh you can sign up uh for a little while yet but you you want to check it out horseradionetwork.com slash cruise. Well, let's get into the topics for tonight there, ladies. Let me bring up 
Uh, the first topic here and the first topic of the night is... <laughs> Hello, Pretty Tat. This is Tara's, I think, <laughs> right, Tara? Yes. All right, so why don't you tell us what your topic was? Um, I might have thought differently about suggesting it if I knew I was going to do this. <laughs> it, it was more just like kind of a... I believe there's similar things in different European countries, but England some has, type yeah. of overall certification to, um, I guess my thought is to just give some type of credibility to trainers because I, you know, I get contacted by friends of friends of friends who are like, Oh, you know, my kid wants to take this kind of lesson and where do I go to find a place? And like, I grew up with horses in my backyard and my parents both rode. So, you know, we never had to go look for something like that, but there's really no way for people to non-horse people to know if where they're signing their child up to go spend time to learn how to ride a horse, if it's safe or if it's, you know, how knowledgeable are they? What have they done? Have, you know, do they have any type of, I don't know, I'm an HR person, so we'll go there, but like criminal history or any of those types of things. And so I just, I, I feel like there, you know, could be some advantage to having some type of overarching trainer certification. I know they do in Europe and England. Does Germany? Germany has it too, right? Germany does. And I know for sure Netherlands does because I worked with a couple of people that went through a huge program and like they do certifications, they test. Well, actually, yes. In Germany, now I remember when I went to a barn, they would have certain days that they would do like, we're just testing today. So I wouldn't have lessons and it would just be people testing to get their next level up. Now, let me throw in here, we do, you know, a once a month episode with the Certified Horsemanship Association mm -hmm. on horses in the morning, and that's a voluntary program, obviously. Right. You can get certified. So it's not like we don't have a structure in place in the country to do it, right? We do. Right. Uh, and I know Massachusetts has a trainer license program. It's less of a certification and more of a license. But you do have to take a test. Um, and so there, there, you know, I don't know of any other states. That's the one I do know about because Jennifer had to take a test there. Well, and uh, I think like Pony Club has certifications, and I I think I don't think 4-H actually has certifications, but you know, USHJA has some type of they had one and they're updating their trainer certification. So there's a lot of silos of it, I feel like, in the United States. But I grew up showing quarter horses and doing reining in the NRHA stuff and reiners don't know hunter jumpers and vice mm -hmm. versa. So yeah. what do you guys think? April, what do you think? Should there be oh, a, yeah, a I would definitely certification? Oh yeah, definitely. And I was just listening to another podcast on another episode where they were talking about how, you know, as soon as money is being passed over, it's like you're a professional and that's like, that, that's how it certifies you as being a professional. <laughs> I definitely would like something like a like what Netherlands has in Germany. You're just yeah, kind of leveling up until you're being a professional. Yeah, get outside the horse world, and most other things do require certifications to be a teacher or instructor, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the only sports that doesn't have those crazy uh, certifications. Right. Am I even a thousand-pound animal that could very easily kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, what do you think? So, actually, when I read the question, my first thought was the way – so, I'm an inventor. I'm an English writer. And the way, at least in my area, where – it, it's all word of mouth to start, but when I look for a dressage instructor, I look for someone who maybe already has their bronze or silver medal. And if I look for a jumping instructor, it's someone who's riding at the prelim level or higher. So I'm, I'm looking for someone that I know is experienced, but I know that lingo, Tara, I think your point about looking, um, people that are looking for beginner lessons for children, 
I think that's where this would be the most useful. And I think that's a really great idea. I think we've all, you know, seen or experienced barns that, you know, you, you might tell your friends, oh, look into X, Y, Z, but don't go to that one. They're not safe. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, you don't know. And I, I think mm-hmm. some kind of a certification standard program would, would be very beneficial for that. Listeners or people who are joining us tonight, please put in the comments what you think. I'd be interested to see what you think, because we have people here from Australia and the PEI and, and all over mm-hmm. the country. So I'd be happy to see what you guys think and put that in the comments. Uh, so, but there's a whole bunch of problems with that, too, is, is of course. you know, the CHA <laughs> is set up for that, right? They, they're they set up to do that in a bunch of different disciplines. You'd have to have a multiple discipline approach, obviously, because we have trainers and a lot of different things. Uh, you know, obviously, then money comes into play, right? So you're paying for certifications. So now you have people whining about that. And at what level do you do it for the for the heels down beginners, you know, uh, trainers who are just doing in their backyard and, and are doing two or three? Or do you have a level where they have to be a certain level of trainer to get certified? There's a lot of questions and a lot of issues, right, that you have to deal with when you're putting a program like that together. Yeah, absolutely. And like and like I said, I work in human resources. And so, you know, I think the basics of it are like running a background check. Do they have any, you know, animal welfare complaints against them that have actually been prosecuted? Um, you know, I, there's those basic things like that. And, you know, if you have horses, you know, and I think kind of a basic would be if you have horses that other people are coming to ride and you're instructing people on them. How about you know, how, do you police, how do you police the whole thing? Exactly. Too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so Lindsay decides to start giving archery lessons there in, you know, in Virginia. And, you know, she has four or five students and it's, you know, she's not going to pay $200 to go get certified. Besides, who, who would certify her for archery? Um, so, and, and that certification's out in California because it's the only guy that does it, or actually Florida near me, probably. Um, and, but, you know, I'm just posing all the problems you have with right. that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So now, unless somebody complained about her, there's going to be no policing, right? Who's going to know? Right. Right. I mean, unless you went on, you know, for a lot of things, for like specific events, I would think you could do like if you've achieved a certain level of performance, like you've competed at, you know, and won, I don't, you know, because it's that's kind of how dressage in the levels, as I understand the bronze, silver, whatever, like you've you've scored a certain thing at a certain whatever, um, which gives you a little bit of credibility there, at least, you know, and I think like to your point, Glenn, it's a much harder when you're doing, you know, the, the up down lessons. Because, I mean, I know a lot of people who were giving up down lessons when they were in high school. Do you know how it was structured in the Netherlands and in, in Germany? It was almost like it started as soon as you were a rider. And then, like, if you wanted to go, like, when you were beginning riding, if you wanted to eventually become a trainer, you had to keep continuing that education. It started almost like Pony Club that continued on. Because it is almost the levels under, like Pony Club has, right? You know, yeah. All through the levels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's more pervasive through the German culture, isn't it? Just horse riding yeah. in general. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Going to one of their lesson barns and like each horse has at least their own saddle, if not two saddles. Like it's very structured. Yeah. Are there backyard horse trainers that just do three or four people and that's it? Or, or are they all the more structured um, there's probably a couple of that do like the backyard, especially when you get more into like the Western discipline over in Germany, because yeah. they are still trying to figure it out mm-hmm. with that. So do you know if but, they're certified the Western and the Western side? I don't, I don't think they are though. I know a lot of Americans go over there and, um, 
like like for cutting they use like dairy cows and the whole time you hear all the americans yelling at the germans like no turn this way turn that way so it's <laughs> that still would be pretty funny. <laughs> yeah it was kind of entertaining <laughs> so. Yeah, some of those European countries are really doing well in raining. So, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're yeah. really Germany's done pretty well for a long time. Germany and yeah. Italy, I feel Germany Italy. and Belgium. Yeah. 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 And oh, yeah. Italy, in if Italy. you go to watch them do rain cow horse or cutting, yeah. oh my goodness, they cheer louder than any crowd I've ever heard. They really get into the do you think it's the wine or the beer or. Uh... Uh, they're just I think the loudness <laughs> of western riding like fits the italian culture yes 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 <laughs> yes i apologize yeah. for anyone i've insulted <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other comments on this topic what do you think i would say my only other comment is that uh this is kind of a you know, slight sidebar, but i would one thing that i would really like to see in the u.s is like a farrier certification mm-hmm. requirement um, I know that they do require that in other countries as well. And I, again, I think we've all seen, you know, someone who you can buy a few tools and call yourself a farrier and you can really hurt a horse if you don't know what you're doing. So I think some kind of certification for that as well would be a step in the right direction. I know that's been talked about. I, you know, it's obviously not been made mandatory, but I know it's been talked about. I think we're probably going to see that before we see the other. For sure. Right? I agree. Yeah. We're a long ways away from trainer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we're away. getting closer to the farrier for sure with the schools and such coming. Yeah. All right. Very good. Let's head over to our next question right after I talk to you about arena saddles. They're perfect in any arena. Arena saddles are available in dressage and also they are available in jumping all purpose and they're classically crafted from beautiful European leather. With meticulous attention to detail, you will turn heads in any arena with the confidence that your saddle is comfortable for you and your horse. Whether you're nailing your canter transition at sea, perfecting the five stride line in the three foot division or galloping the countryside with Tara and jumping the jumps following the hounds. Uh, there's a perfect arena saddle for you. Go to arenasaddles.com and learn more. To And also you can find a retailer there. There are retailers all over the country, all over the world for that matter. That's arenasaddles.com. That's, and we thank them for sponsoring the roundtable. All right, let's go to the next question. And I think this question was Lindsay's. Yeah, so anyone who has uh, heard me talk on the show before or has seen me in the auditor room, plug for the auditor room, it's awesome, um, (laughs) knows that my current horse is affectionately nicknamed Damn It Rocket because he has some kind of cosmic propensity to find the most creative ways to hurt himself and just generally get out of doing work. He really enjoys being a pasture puff. Um, but I think one thing that people don't talk about a lot is the emotional toll of, you know, not being able to go to that horse show or having to go to the barn every day and wrap a leg when your friends are riding and you can't, or even just getting a diagnosis that might change your long-term plans for you and your horse's life together. Um, so I think that that's something again, that we don't talk about as much that I've been thinking a lot about lately. Um, any thoughts on that, guys? I feel like I'm going to like 5,000 bajillion percent jinx myself here. <laughs> so I don't know, knock on whatever. I'll do a seance later or something. But 
I've been really pretty fortunate and I've had horses my whole life. My parents, my mom college rodeoed, my dad broke Bronx out in the middle of the prairie of Montana. Um, and I just really haven't had a lot of missed time due to illness or injury with my horses. And, and I, you know, and actually it's something I've thought about a lot. I don't know if it's luck or, or like, you know, and growing up as, as a kid, we put our horses out on 20 sections in the winter with, which if you know what that is, it's 20 square miles. Um, and I felt like that made them a little hardier. I don't, and I've had little things here and there, but not anything that's been like, um, endemically chronic to deal with, but you know, you see so much conversation in like in the auditor room and in like the plat, I'm in the plat horse amateur group and a couple of other amateur groups. And it's, it's really psychologically difficult, especially when, you know, we horse people get our identity from our horses. And when you take that away, it's. I'll tell you where it's really tough. It's really tough. And we saw this when we had our boarding stable. It's really tough when the person can afford one horse. And now that horse mm -hmm. is chronic and can't be used for what they had initially attended it for, whether it was showing or just trail riding or whatever. And now you've got a horse that you're really obligated to. You can't mm -hmm. sell it. There, you know, nobody's going to take it. You're paying board on it and you can't afford a second. And now you're screwed. Yeah. Well, and mm -hmm. I, I fit that category. I am the most amateur, amateur, whoever amateured. And <laughs> <laughs> I did not come up with that. I believe I got it from the uh, Plaidcast podcast lounge. <laughs> Very fun. Um, but, you know, I, I just have the one horse and the barn is supposed to be my happy place. And my horse is supposed to be my therapy time for myself. So what can you do when that becomes a source of stress because, or maybe not even stress, um, but it, it's just not as emotionally fulfilling as it was when, say, you were perfecting whatever goal you were working on that week and you mm -hmm. can see progress each time you ride. When you can't work towards that, sometimes it can be, uh, it can be very draining. Well, if it's not stress, it's disappointing. I mean, it's just disappointing, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I know it's financially draining too, right? Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've been very fortunate too that I haven't had to me sit back myself with my horses, but I know Stacy Westfall mentioned it in one of her episodes too, is then that gave her time to like build her relationship with her horse. Like that was the only positive that came really with it. And then when it was time to ride the horse and such, then your relationship's even stronger and kind of have a better riding experience sometimes. But it also helps when you have other horses in the barn, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that helps yeah, a bit, yeah. too. I mean, Stacy's <laughs> yeah, got definitely. other horses in the barn. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, I only have uh, one horse, too, so I You understand. know, not to take away from, you know, what it, what it's like with that horse, right? But you, if you have yeah. others, it helps a little. Lindsay, if you had two or three horses, this would be helping right now, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Knowing my luck, all two or three would be lame at the same time. <laughs> Unfortunately, too, with that lameness and that heartbreak comes the large vet bill, before you determine what the final lameness is. So not only oh, do you have a lame horse, you're paying not off the vet right. for six months. So that doesn't yeah. help. No. Uh, now, Jennifer's going through it right now. I mean, Nigel's been laid up for a couple of weeks, you know, and I see how grumpy she gets. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> dealing with it all the, every day, it makes you darn grumpy. It just mm -hmm. makes you grumpy. Well, and, and going back to, you know, the barn being your therapy, um, it has been this, this month in particular, Rocket has been out of commission. Um, but I am 
it's both lucky and unlucky. I'm at a very large boarding barn uh, close to DC. Very few people have their own property. So we have 40 horses oh, wow. at, this, at this barn. Um, but what that means is there's always someone to commiserate with. With 40 horses, there's always at least two or three that are injured with something going on. Um, and one of my good girlfriends is going through a similar problem with her horse right now. So there's been a lot of, you know, cocktail nights at the barn and, and complaining <laughs> about these damn horses. And, and and sometimes misery loves company. And that's what you have to do to yeah. do with it. What do you what do you do? Let's switch around a little bit. Jamie wanted to meet my co-host on the Horses in the Morning show is just had surgery on her shoulder. So she's out of action. So what happens if the rider is injured? Uh, is it worse for the horse to be injured or you to be injured? And you're out of commission both ways, right? You're not riding either way. But well, and I which, think even which is we're mentally all, worse. We're all females and April's about to have a layup for yeah. a while because anytime you have a baby. Yeah. Yeah. So in Germany, it wasn't too bad because I wasn't with him, but I did stop riding earlier on when I was in Germany because I was riding different horses every week. And I was like, okay, I don't trust that as much. And now I'm still riding right now, but I know eventually I'm going to stop. So I'm not looking forward to that, especially I had a lot of goals this year for my horse and I, and then when I found this out, I was like, darn, there goes those goals. Damn so I had to switch kids. them. <laughs> Look what those kids do to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I honestly think it would be harder for me, for me to be laid up than it would be for my horse to be laid up. And I, I am fortunate in that I have, y'all are going to like way judge me, but I have three horses, um, a baby chinkatique pony, a pony and a donkey. So, you know, if something's, you know, not rideable. There's something to do with something else kind of always. But if, if I'm hurt or injured, I think I would go nuts. Yeah. You, you've and my lucky. husband might like Knock on something <laughs> all of us at this point. Well, uh, and I, I would actually to counterpoint that with rocket being out of commission, I've, I've been gaining a lot of weight too. So uh, <laughs> he's, he's been enjoying being a pasture puff. But I don't want to go to the gym right now. So <laughs> my only form of exercise has gone away. So I, in some ways, I think it would be worse for him to be injured rather than me because I'm at such a big barn with lots yeah. of people that I trust. It would be very easy to keep him going. And then hopefully it would just take me a few days to pick up right back where I left off. Um hopefully. Whereas I know getting him back in shape when we recover from this latest mishap might take a little longer and it's going to be both of us getting back in shape instead of just one of us. Can you ride other horses at your barn? I could. Uh, they're all privately owned. So a few of my friends have offered yes, but scheduling has been challenging. I've yeah. mostly been doing um, a lot of clicker training with rocket that I mm learned about through various podcasts on the horse radio network. <laughs> um, so he's been really enjoying all of the extra carrots that he's been getting doing that. And that, that has definitely strengthened our relationship. And I'm sure that when I do get back in the saddle, it can only help. Yeah. Cause there's one of the comments that talks about, it's a good time to do groundwork, which I, I definitely agree with that. I, yeah, my, my mare's nine and I've had her since she was six months old and I did not do as much groundwork with her as I should have. She's kind of a monster. Um, so. Who, who, uh, so what do you do when you're laid up? April, uh, you're going to be off for a couple of months. Do you get other people to ride your horse or do you just. 
Yeah, I was going to reach out to um, one of the gals that's here, that's stationed here and doesn't have a horse. And um, I was going to see if she was interested in riding them. And then I'm also, uh, I work with Lindsay Partridge on Harming Horsemanship. And so oh. I have all of those courses and such. So I'm probably going to play around with a lot of the ground exercises and trick training and such. Didn't she just have kids too? She just. She, yeah, right around the same time. And she's pregnant again. And she's due like a week or two after me. Oh, <laughs> it works it works out well for work-wise and clients and stuff. <laughs> so. Is and your those horse that are watching got, have gotten to see the animals going through the shots. <laughs> Lindsay's big, huge yellow cat just went right through. This is TJ. <laughs> I and keep got my another dog. <laughs> <laughs> Tara, is there a breed of dog you don't have? A breed I don't I don't do labs. <laughs> I don't do I labs. Do, I don't yeah. do labs. They're too boring. I, I have a lab, although she hasn't come to say <laughs> They that. eat your house for two years. Mm-mm, mine's perfect. <laughs> that is the exception. And not I do it. foster too, so I get a lot of in and outs. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's head on to the next question. I don't know that we solved anything with that one, but I don't think there is a solution. It's, you know, no. if your horse is lame, sometimes you can catch a ride. Sometimes you can find something else to ride. And that does help. You know, that definitely does help. Well, I think okay. like with Jamie's situation, not to delay progress, but I think with something like that, you don't really know what to expect in terms of what's the pain level going to be like and how soon are you going to get back to it? And I imagine Jamie's like, I'm ready to feel better now. Let's go like, but it still hurts. And so I, I think something like that would be really frustrating. She's a little grumpy pre-show. Um, I will say <laughs> the grumpiness level has been going up a little, but then I was grumpy when I was sick too. So, I mean, we all get a little grumpy when, <laughs> when that's happening. Well, and not to take up too much of my time. Sorry. No, but, go ahead. But that's I fine. would say that, you know, sometimes these kind of disappointments, you literally have to like go through the stages of grief. Mm-hmm with mm, them. Yeah. And I know like with, with my situation, you know, there, there's been a decent amount of like anger, like mm-hmm. why, why didn't me? I catch something sooner? Or, you know, why did I pay for that horse show? And then we couldn't go because we had an abscess three days before that. I think that's, you know, very normal to acknowledge that. Yes. At the end of the day, the a healthy horse is all that really matters and a healthy human, of course, but there there can be a very wide variety of emotions associated with that. And it is very okay to whine and moan to your friends about it. You know, maybe clear with them first. Um, Jamie, feel free to send me a message. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting tired of it, Jamie. Send Lindsay a message. <laughs> it, but it's, it's tough. And there's, you know, there, there's a wide variety of, of emotions that we have to work through there. And if all else fails, grab a cocktail, head to the barn, and uh, wind to your girlfriends. What do you do in the f- situation I brought up? Let's talk about that a minute. You got the one horse, you can't afford a second on board because your board's so high to begin with, and you're going to keep this horse. You, you, you have no choice, right? Morally and ethically, uh, this horse is going to retire with you. Maybe you can get a little bit cheaper board. That's one option is to look for a little bit of, you know, a pasture board that's cheaper or whatever you can do regarding the horse's health, doesn't need a lot of maintenance or whatever. Uh, so you got to get creative, right? I mean, you have mm-hmm. to find, you have to find a horse outlet. And if that's catch riding or seeing if you can find a, a lease of some kind. Uh, so I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I would say, you know, you have to switch directions a little bit, maybe with your own horse even if he's not rideable, um, you know, look into clicker training. They have lots of unmounted 
competitions now even that you can do. Um, maybe, you know, maybe your horse can't jump anymore. Great. Time to earn that bronze medal in dressage or mm -hmm. even, you know, explore a Western discipline that you've always been interested in. There's, there's such a wide horse world out there. Mm -hmm. There's lots of things that you can do, even if you can't run and jump or cut at quite the same level that you used to be able to. And I think that's true in, in a lot of senses, not even in just, um, you know, your horse being injured and maybe having to change its career. But I've seen lots of people buy, a, you know, this horse moves beautifully and it's going to be an amazing hunter and it stinking hates the hunter ring for whatever reason. But it it might really love, and you know, of course, fox hunting or something like that. But and I feel like because I have such a diverse horsey background, like I bought my first thoroughbred. Um, he just turned 14 yesterday and I bought him when he was a yearling and my, my shtick with him was my dad had died and I needed, you know, something emotionally to whatever. And I was like, he'll tell me what he wants to do. Like we trail rode. He didn't like that. We fox hunted. He really didn't like that. <laughs> he liked the hunter ring like that, that ended up where he was really happy and I was happy to let him try different stuff. And I think when your horse is laid up like that, you maybe just have to, you know, change kind of what your goals are and obviously this would be an incredibly difficult thing if like it's not rideable and it's not old because then you're faced with a you know kind of even a much more difficult decision of like do you try to t find a retirement place and we've all heard the horror stories of that and you know i'm pretty fortunate in that my family in montana have lots of acres and i feel like if i needed to go park something i could but it's hard yeah Let's head on before we get to our final question, which we're going to talk about the impact social media has on the horse world. There's a topic for you right now after the last year. Um, so uh, before we get to that, I want to uh, give everybody a little plug. So Tara, you are host of the Horses in the Morning Fox Hunting episode, the third Thursday yep. of the month, right? Yes, yes. Third Thursday. What do you guys talk about? You and my wife, Jennifer, do that show? Yeah, just... Um, Oh, you know, really one of the things that I, I really like to highlight on the show, just because I, what I hear the most from non-fox hunters is, and I was a hundred percent in this group of people, I had no idea you could fox hunt in the United States of America until 2010. Um, and so just, I, I like to interview people who have come to the sport from various backgrounds. And I like to talk to people who, you know, ride like Frisians and, and saddlebreds and horses that you don't customarily think of in the hunt field. And, and then we also talk to hunt, you know, leadership about things that are going on and the challenges that, that fox hunts face. And um, I don't know, it's, it's, I would quit every kind of riding if, if I had to pick, I would just continue doing only fox hunting. I just, I love it. I learned go. a lot from that show. A lot of Thanks. cool things about fox hunting. And then we went to a drag hunt in Germany and that was pretty cool to watch. Yes. I think they only it. drag hunt in Germany. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, there you go. Yeah. And I know Jennifer loves doing that show with you too, because yeah, we have a good still time. Her passion, you know, that's still her passion. Well, there's so you know, the, not to take up too much time, but the fun thing about fox hunting that I really enjoy is like there's been this ongoing conversation about wearing burgundy coats and the hunters, and I'm like, y'all, the hunters are based on fox hunting. You cannot wear a burgundy coat in the hunt field because it's too close to red. That answers <laughs> your question. 
So pink is okay or orange. But they call it pink. It's not actually pink. It's red. It's not actually pink. No, no. Just trying to you get can away get away with it. purple. We'll go with purple. For that one. No, I, I don't <laughs> Boy, I talk about and I'm not a crazy traditionalist, but I just I like the I like the pomp and circumstances like of tradition. Over there. <laughs> Which is funny considering I grew up on ranches in Montana. Live in Texas, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> April, tell everybody about your show. Yes, yeah, so we have Rain in the Herd, Rain in Your Herd, and it's a business podcast for equine businesses. And we pretty much talk a lot about strategy on you know, multiple social media platforms, but we also talk about mindset, um, pricing, and all the fun things that a lot of horse people don't want to talk about with their businesses. It is a very, uh, I love the business side of things and I listen to your show because I just love, I love to geek out on that kind of stuff. <laughs> so uh, it's very well done. You two know what you're talking about. Or or wouldn't have had you on the Horse Radio Network if you didn't. So, <laughs> And so, who are we kidding? Horse people just are not business people. No. No, yeah, the, that's why they need April. <laughs> and Lindsay, give another plug. If people are in your area, where can they go to get some uh, archery done? Yeah, so my club is called the Mounted Archers of the Potomac. We are located in Fairfax County, Virginia. We uh, spill over a little bit into Maryland, D.C. area in general. Um, you can find us on Facebook under Mounted Archers of the Potomac. We are unfortunately in a bit of a hiatus due to COVID. Um, but one unique thing about our club that uh, is not true of all the other horse archery clubs in the U.S. is you do not have your own horse to participate. Um, we share horses, which is oh, cool. one reason why we are on a hiatus due to COVID. Um <laughs> But so at a normal practice, we will have approximately two people for every one horse. Um, so that enables a lot of people in this area who might only take lessons or lease horses to be able to participate with us. So uh, as of last winter, we were averaging 15 to 20 people at every practice, which was very exciting. Um, looking forward to getting back to that very soon. And if you'd like any information on equipment or how to get started or find a Mounted Archery Club in your area, feel free to shoot me a Facebook message at Mounted Archers of the Potomac. Very awesome. good. Hey, is it when I, you know, Tammy Serrance has been a host on our shows over the years and she's one of the top mounted shooters in the world. She has like 200 belt buckles on her wall. It's ridiculous. Um, but she says she can't hit anything when she's standing on the ground. She can only hit when she's moving. Is that true of you and your bow? I'm the same way, actually, and it's uh, it's basically because you don't have time to think when you're moving. Oh, that's a good point. I've actually always wanted to try mounted shooting, but in Fairfax County, Virginia, at a boarding barn of 40, I don't think they'd be terribly excited about me doing that in the <laughs> indoor arena, but they don't mind too much with the bow and arrows. So I just we, bought we, my own revolvers. Did you? Yeah? <laughs> yep, for mounted shooting, and then I have my bow for mounted archery, too, because I did that in Washington when we were stationed up there. This brings up that point, too, and that's to try new stuff. You know, Lindsay heard mm -hmm. about mounted archery on our show and then just decided to figure, find it, right? Went out and found it. Mm -hmm. hey, you know, try new stuff. Do something different. You know, uh, Jennifer loved, she took a couple polo lessons and she thought that she, she it's you know, so she wasn't hard. It's hard. It she is. wasn't good. It, it was funny to watch, but it they had a blast. <laughs> they were laughing. Her and Helena were out there just having a great time, whacking at nothing. I, you know, I, the, I don't played. know that they ever touched the, the ball, but they had fun. <laughs> <laughs> I played polo in uh, an undergrad at the University of Virginia, and 
it destroyed any semblance of equitation I might have once had. But <laughs> oh my gosh, it is Tara. I think it's right up there with fox hunting. Is mm-hmm. about the most fun you can have on a horse. It's, yeah, we had my hunt here in Texas. There's a bunch of polo players who they keep their horses legged up during fox hunting season because it's in between their polo seasons. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's how I've gone out and played a few times, but. And I was pretty good at sports, so I was really like stunk at the whole hand eye thing. I was surprised. <laughs> My husband said it was golfing on horseback. He loved it. <laughs> good. Yeah. I I uh, the other thing I want to encourage everybody to try is if you ever get a chance to drive a horse or one mm-hmm. or two, uh, do mm-hmm. that. Uh, I think it's fun. Jamie tried it and hated it, but uh, you know a lot of riders try it and don't like it. Jennifer doesn't feel secure in the cart. She doesn't like it in the cart. She thinks it's too dangerous. Yeah. It's um, a different change, this, you know, for sure. this is a girl that's broken every bone in her body once. So you know, riding and uh, but you know I can see that you know I had a horse or my pony bolted for a while. He's getting better about that now. But bolting on the road, going into the passing lane, you know the oncoming track. Traffic's not fun, um, but we're still here, you know. Glenn, if I ever told you when I was a kid, my dad had a black Surrey with the fringe on top. Did he really? And we had a, I had a black horse that I showed him for each, his, his name very originally was Midnight. And he pulled the buggy in the parade every year. Oh, cool. cool. Yeah. We've been in parades. I'm telling it's you, fun. I've done a lot of random stuff. You have, you've tried the things, see? You've tried the things. Yeah. I want to give Julie Valou a shout out here. She is in Mongolia yes. right now. Uh, she says that she's enjoying the conversation immensely as I'm in lockdown here in Mongolia and can't get oh, out goodness. to my horses. Oh, Julie. No. She's well, I'm curious, before. is Julie like a resident Mongolian or like no, a... I think she she was over there. Were you over... Julie, help me out. Were you over to do another competition over there? Or are you living there now? I can't remember. I know we've had her on the show. I can't remember which it was. But uh, let me know, Julie, which it was. Because it's also probably not warm. No, right now I don't. No, imagine. I well, I it depends so. where you are. It's a big country, so I don't know. But it's I don't really know. I think far north, all of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Even in the summertime, I think it's still chilly yeah. there. Well, Julie, if you're still watching, let us know what the story is in, in Mongolia. <laughs> we want to know. All right, uh, let's go to our final question. And this one was brought in by April, and she just wants to stir things up here. Uh, We're not talking politics. We'll leave that out of this conversation. (laughs) I just wanted to show off my perfect Labrador real quick. Oh, there's the perfect Labrador. (laughs) What's the perfect Labrador's name? Come here. Maya. She is a rescue. Uh, We brought her home when she was high when she was about to, but she's she's utterly perfect. (laughs) Like Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. She looks perfect. Oh, She's Julie says she girl. lives there now in Mongolia. Not too warm at all. Recently. Minus 45. Minus 45. <laughs> oh, and <that's> Montana. <laughs> Although getting warmer now. I had to choose the uh, kind of between Canada and Mongolia. And she chose Mongolia because her horses are here. Are they Mongolian horses or non-Mongolian horses? We need to get her on the show. <laughs> right? Uh, she says she's working uh, on the foundation work and praying the borders open soon so people can come and ride with her again. So very there you interesting, go. very cool. Julie, That's we some- need to get you on this show sometime, and uh, we we need to see you live from yeah. Mongolia. We need to do that. She yeah, obviously has internet, so probably better than ours. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, April, stir it up a bit. All right. So I know I was trying to figure out the best topic to pick, but I decided what is social media the impact on the horse world with social media. I know there's good and bad, of course, with like most things. Um, So of course the good is that you get to share all your fun, you know, uh, updates with your horses and such, but then there's hot topics 
like whether or not with brand ambassadors were a lot of um, horseback riders, they were trying to make them professionals under USEF. And so that was a huge topic when it comes to, you know, working with brands and being a rider and such, because, you know, everybody's trying to make some money with their favorite hobby, but not can be considered a um, professional. So that was a huge topic that went down recently with social media. An example of good that happened just happened today, and that's the Land Rover uh, is going to go on with their five star still without spectators, but they raised $600,000 in a matter of a four or five days. And that was actually mm-hmm. a grassroots effort. That wasn't the the organization that runs it. And we're talking about the Land Rover Kentucky uh, three-day, uh, event. three-day event. <laughs> so, you know, that was something good that happened in a very short period of time because of a grassroots thing. And then we're all on those web pages uh, that talk about horses where, you know, there's just so much fighting. It, it, yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So there is good and bad, but you know, can, I think you can self-regulate what you look at too. Right. I mean, you can choose to right. be in those rooms or not choose to be in those rooms. We're lucky in our auditor room, which is our super fan room. It's a very positive and upbeat place and where they talk about anything, you know, not just horses, but life, you know? So, yeah. and they talk about it there because it's safe and positive. And I think, if you're in a private room, that all comes down to the organizers of the room and how they run the room, right? right. So, you know, I think that the auditor room is is pretty good because we we make sure it is, right? We make sure it's a positive, safe place. Um, and then people kind of self-regulate. I very seldom have to take a post down. I mean, maybe once a month. So, yeah. I, you know the rules and you self-regulate because you know you're going to get your ass kicked out. You know, it, all of a sudden, you're better about it. Lindsay, you've been through through a lot of this different stuff. What do you think? What do you... What are your thoughts on the whole? Thing? Well, for starters, I love the auditor room. Um, you're totally right about that self-regulating. There are a lot of Facebook groups that I've either left or I've muted, and mm-hmm. they just don't come up on my feed. I mean, kind of going back to even my topic, you have to protect your mental health. And if you're scrolling through Facebook and all you're seeing or Instagram or whatever, and the only thing that you're seeing is negativity and people piling on top of each other, that's just it wears on your soul after a while and places like the auditor room where people are uplifting and positive and encouraging and supporting. That's really important. Um, And also, I mean, you know, going back to, to the cruise and everything, being able to keep up with my buddies from the cruise while we've been in lockdown and haven't been able to visit anyone has been really awesome. And in some ways I feel like I have definitely leaned on my Facebook friends more during lockdown. Um, I'm, you know, I'm traveling less. I'm, I'm seeing my real life friends less. Um, so you have to communicate with what you have. And that's been a lot of, you know, messenger on Instagram and Facebook (laughs) and Snapchat. The auditors actually have a little Snapchat group that we have a lot of fun with. Kayla Benny is very active in there. Um, (laughs) I think one really positive that for me has come out of social media, both Instagram and Facebook. I don't do Twitter. I definitely don't do TikTok and Snapchat. I'm too old. But um, I connected with a Here lot <laughs> of, right? I connected with a lot of non-white writers during the Black Lives Matter, the stuff after um, George Floyd. And I've, I've actually cultivated some pretty, um, not close, but just relationships with people who I never would have met otherwise, who obviously have a hugely different life perspective from me because they're LGBTQ or they're, you know, black or there's some other race that's in the equestrian world. And 
all of us who are active in the equestrian world, I mean, I hardly ever see someone who's not white and it's exciting and it's normalized it for me to see non-white people in the saddle and in a horse like environment. And I feel like now when I see non-white people at horse shows, when we can actually leave our house, um, it's, it's just, it's made it more customary to me. And I feel like I won't act like an idiot because I've connected with these other people and, you know, I've communicated with them and asked them questions and stuff. So I feel like I'm better educated about, you know, the challenges that they face in the horse world. I feel like that's a really excellent point. I think social media in that way can really be used to uh, project the voices of people that might otherwise get lost in the shuffle, uh, whether those might be people of color or people of minorities for any various reason. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like it's a great way to connect with them and support them. Even if maybe they're not at your barn or you don't see them at your local show, you can still support people that are different from you and uh, help their platform reach others. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Even Texans? Do we have to support Texans? Uh, does that count? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, then if somebody wrote in the comments, have you seen Shit You Vendors Unite? Yes. <laughs> Are y'all in that group? Oh, yeah. yes. And I've I been invited to it three times, and I continue to decline it because I can't stand watching crashes. Yeah, Jennifer oh, can't either. She can't watch them either. She, Most of them you know when those videos were out crashes. where all the crashes, she could never watch them. She was, yeah, no. was I can't watch them. Home. I cringe too much. <laughs> you know, Even if I, they're they're not funny to me, I just, yeah. You know, I'm going to be self-serving here. Uh, we're all together because of social media. Really, podcasts right. are social media. Now, they started before we called it social media back in the day. Um, but it's a form of social media, right? I mean, and and we are all as close as we are. I have thousands of friends around. Look at Julie over there in Mongolia, right? I have right. thousands of friends around the world because of social media. And right. what, what social media has done is allowed us to develop communities that we would have never done otherwise. Can you all imagine, sit back and think, you're probably too young. Uh, even Tara's too young for this. But sit back and imagine pre-internet, if if we had had COVID pre-internet, imagine how isolating that would have been. Oh my goodness. It would have been horrible. And first of all, you got your news at six o'clock at night, no other time, because there were no other news, right? Six o'clock at night or the newspaper in the morning. And that was your news. And you had no contact to call people. You had to pay long distance charges, cost you a fortune. So you wouldn't be calling mom in another state. Uh, It would have been unbelievably difficult. I think this year has been very challenging, even with all the technology that we have at our disposal. I honestly don't even want to entertain that thought. It's a little too scary. Imagine doing it without Netflix and Tiger King. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not Glenn. I don't have either of those two things. You have 10 dogs. You have no time for anything but feeding and cleaning after dogs. <laughs> but it is true. I mean, we're all here together. And, you know, the auditor room and the listeners around the world and all of that exists. So there have been these whole communities built. I think, you know, they're somewhat online, but we all do get to meet each other every once in a while, which is then exceptionally fun. And I can't wait to do that again. Um Lindsay, I'm going to tackle you and give you a great big hug next time I see you. Uh, Sounds great. It's just been so long. Uh, But yeah, so I mean, so there is a huge positive. I think sometime we overlook that when we're all bickering about politics. Now, it has caused caused divisiveness that I don't think has ever happened before either. Yes, right. So we're not going to dive into what politics was what, but it, you know, there are families that are ripped apart. In my case, too, you know, uh, there are families that are ripped apart because of the whole Republican-Democrat politics thing. Well, Glenn, uh, safe sport. 
Well, yeah. safe sport's another one. You know, I mean, that's practically politics. It just has, you know, it that is just political. happened too. Yeah. Yes. Anything like that becomes political, whether it started out political, it becomes political. Uh, so, yeah, yep. there are those things that, you know, if it wasn't for social media, we wouldn't have had the. There was always division, but I don't think we would have had the level of division because you didn't know what everybody right. else thought. Unless you sat well, down the with them and argued about it. I was just going to say, the algorithms make it so much worse. Make it worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I maybe would have known April from something I had met her, but I didn't know her political thing because I don't talk to her every day before social media. I wouldn't have known how right. she felt about that, nor right. would I have probably cared because I'm not talking to her every day. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it is true that that's allowed that to happen. I don't know how yeah, you overcome yeah. that. I think we're, that we're past that now. That, yeah, we've well, especially because like the al- like we were saying, like the algorithms and how they've almost made that division happen. So without, unless those are taken away, I don't think that's ever going to really be solved. But even if those are way. taken away and you see everybody's that is your friend's post on Facebook, you're still going to disagree with half of them. So, you know, and, you know, and then the wars are going to start. So, you know, it, you know, even without the algorithms, yeah. you're still going to, if you saw everything, I wonder if that, I don't know if that'd be better or worse. Well, it's almost know. like you're purposely seeing certain things that will set you off because that's what you've been liking and such. So that's what you keep yes. seeing and that's what you keep arguing with. So that's what kind of what the algorithm has done. I think some of that would be calmed down without having that crazy. I did that with the unfollow button on my yes. Facebook feed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Now I yeah. only see pretty pictures of horses and dogs. I'm following, and I think I like <laughs> muted some people for like 30 days or such. So I did that with several people who were really adamant about posting, but then 30 days came around. I was like, oh man, they're still doing it. <laughs> they're still posting the same thing. Yeah, at that point, I'm like, maybe I should just unfriend them. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, <laughs> and then you. Feel I unfollowed guilty, a right? lot of people. Yeah, you feel guilty because yeah. it's probably a good yeah. friend that otherwise you get along with great, but you just don't want to see yeah. those daily postings and it, you unfollow them and then you feel guilty and, you know, for like 10 minutes. Well, um, I genuinely yeah. enjoy discourse with people with opposing viewpoints if it's intellectually presented and it's not yes. combative. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but yeah. then we get sucked into reading the comments be. under that person's post and that's what <laughs> pisses you off right there. Yeah, it's the comments under the other person. <laughs> and Lindsay's over there blushing. <laughs> hey! <laughs> You look like you're blushing. (laughs) Clearly, Desiree needs to listen to the fox hunting show. Yes, Desiree, you should. Next Thursday. Yep. Third Thursday of the month, right? On Horses in the Morning. Uh, Sorry, Lizzie. Well, actually, I'm thinking about, you know, political discourse and and just things that divide us. I was thinking about, you know, being close to Washington, D.C., again, with a barn full of 40 people, there is, as you can imagine, a very wide variety political opinions but what unites us all is that we all love our horses and one unique Mm -hmm. thing actually about my bar we we cover literally every discipline we every type of saddle and bit is in our tack room everyone does you know anything we have a civil war reenactor i do mounted archery we you know the we run the whole gambit and no one cares what kind of riding you do as long as you love your horse and you take proper care of your horse and at the end of the day we all have that in common, whether we're online or we're all together. And I think that's one reason why the auditor room is such a wonderful place. Plugging it again, if you're not an auditor, you totally should be. It's the best place on the internet. But, you know, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day, maybe who you voted for or what your political beliefs are. We all love our horses and we all want want what's best for them. And maybe we disagree a little bit about how to say hoof for hoof for, you know, if they should wear shoes or not. But, 
you know, when you look at the big picture, we all have that that unites us. I think we have to end on that. Uh, let's not let's not add anything else to that. I think that's a perfect way to end this episode. Yeah, I agree. It is absolutely perfect. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, as Tara said, she's the fourth Thursday of the month on Horses in the Morning. Third Thursday of the month on Horses in the Morning. Uh, that's next week, actually. She'll be on with Jennifer talking fox hunting again. Uh, April, of course, is in Rain, Your, Rain in Your Herd. And that mm-hmm. is a business show that's also on the Horse Radio Network. You can find it on all the podcasting apps. Lindsay can be found at Mounted Archers of the Potomac on Facebook. Mounted Archers of the Potomac. I can be found at horsesinthemorning.com. And uh, thank you all for joining us. If you missed any part of this episode, you can hear the rest of it tomorrow morning. It'll be out on audio on the Stable Scoop feed, or you can go back and watch the video. It'll just be up there on all the different pages. Uh, we love your feedback. If you want to be a, on this panel at some point, we do these shows every two weeks, let me know. Drop me an email at glenn at horseradionetwork.com, and we'll get you on a panel. If you have an idea for a topic, uh, you. Uh, all you have to do is email me too and we'll, we'll cover that topic uh, we take on the, the more serious topics here in this show that's what this show was designed for thank you three really appreciate you being here thanks for having us very All right, nice. take care everybody see you in a couple bye. of weeks bye <laughs>